Thank you for tuning in to another episode of Talking Bay 94, the Star Wars podcast devoted to interviews with the cast, crew, and creators of a galaxy far, far away. I'm your host, Brandon Winerdy, and today we're talking to Lori Good, one of the original actors at Elsery Studios in 1976. From falling asleep on the cantina set to setting the record straight about bumping his head on the Death Star, Mr. Good is full of great stories and great insight into the filming of what was then just called Star Wars. So this is Talking Bay 94, episode 27, Glory Good. All right, today we're joined by Lori Good, who portrayed three different characters, actually, in in the original Star Wars movie. Mr. Good, thank you so much for, for joining Talk Bay 94 today. A pleasure. First, I wanted to start by talking about what you were passionate about, what you are passionate about, which which is and was music. Talk a little bit about that and, and at least your early days in kind of the music scene back in the 70s. Well, I, 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 um, I kind of got late into it all, really. I mean, I learned how to play guitar in my teens, and, you know, sort of like late teens, really. But uh, at one point, I was sort of getting on quite well, and uh, I did actually recall Phil Collins at one time as a, as a demo. You know, I had a song that um, I went to, went to a publisher, found a publisher. He said, oh, I like this song. Because he couldn't, he, he was one of the old school. He could read the music, and I had it all written down in dots. You know, they call it dots, top line. And uh, and he said, "Oh, this is good. Uh, can, can you get any musicians? We do a demo." So I rang around, and this guy called Phil uh, uh, came along, and we, I went around his house. His, he was living with his mother at the time, and we rehearsed it on the piano. Um, and I was having piano lessons at the time, and he he was so good on the piano. I said, "How long have you been playing the piano?" He said. Six months, I thought, well, is that good in six months? There's no, no point in me cause laboring on because I've been doing it for about 18 months and it's far superior than me. And, uh, and the next thing I was, well, we didn't get a date immediately for the, for the studio, but we, he, went, he went up to uh, Farnborough to, to rehearse with Genesis, then, you know, pre-Genesis, they hadn't actually been out on the road. So I was ringing him up there and sort of trying to get a date where he could come along to the studio to do the song. And um, sort of like two or three, two or three weeks later, he came, came down to London. We went in a place called um, Tim Pan Alley, which is Denmark Street, which is sort of like Muso's uh, Street, where they go sell instruments now recording studios what I did in those days and then we went in the studio and we, we did it with, with a, uh, a friend of his a bass player and my vo- I was going to sing it but my voice is a bit sort of iffy that day and so I got him to sing it so I got I got a tape here Phil <laughs> Collins singing uh, I don't really want to put it on YouTube or anything like that because uh, I, I don't know what to do with it really mm-hmm. it's, it's, it's not fantastic it's a song called I Chose the World and uh, but at the end of the day we went to uh, I said, where you got to go? And he said, I had to go to part of London called West Hampstead. And I, I ran them up there in my uh, vehicle at the time. And we went into this, this diner, this cafe, you call them diners. And I bought them some sausage and chips or French fries. And uh, and that's it. You know? <laughs> and I never saw him again. Well, I, well, we didn't meet again, put it that way. All seemed to be going well, but it, ne- it never really did. You know, I sort of, sort of got into doing bit parts and things like that on, mm-hmm. on, on film work. And it was so well paid that you kind of neglect purpose of what you're trying to achieve so so i i didn't i didn't really it's always kind of thinking maybe you know this time next year it'd be different but never did so uh, you know i didn't i didn't seize the day as they say um and then i got into you know i got involved with star wars and things like that which was which seemed to be a, a bit of a dud film because of, of the strange 
strange format that is, you know, no one, no one really thought it was going to be a success at the time. Wasn't right. the first one because um, you know Dave Prowse was was with a broad accent, West Country accent, and these American guys had that uh, obviously American accent. It didn't seem to gel. You know, so, but yeah. it was it was an experience, and um, you know now you look back on it, you wish you'd have made more of that as well. So yeah. I'll keep missing out. So a bit story of my life. Well, I mean, I guess I'm curious with how you made the jump from music and then you did like Blake 7 and Doctor Who and Hitchhiker and then how you made that jump to then just working on the Star Wars set. Yeah, well, I, I, it was quite easy because when you do sort of like basic extra work and bit parts and things like that, you, mm-hmm. you, you're doing two or three days here on a, on a production and you could work on sort of three productions in those days a week. So you could end up I end up doing four or five days a week, or and it was very well paid. It was it was in those days it was it was sort of like double what a tradesman would get, virtually. You know, probably if a tradesman was getting ten pounds a day, twelve pounds a day, you'll be getting eighteen, twenty pounds a day. Mm-hmm. So it was it was it was worth doing. So if you work two or three days, you got kind of like a week's wages of what a tradesman would get. So the law, the lure there was 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 money. You know, so to get, <laughs> going out in the booze all the time, and you, you sort of get you get sidetracked. You don't don't do what you would like. You just sort of this is an easy option, so mm-hmm. you do it. You know, I mean, I I I had an agent. I had many agents actually. I had about four agents, maybe five, six. Mm-hmm. Came back in there. Uh, if one didn't have any work for you, you just you just rang around and until someone gave you work mm-hmm. so there's work all the time and in those days you had to be a member of the union to get the work so it was kind of like rationed out if you like if you mm-hmm. know so it wasn't it wasn't sort of any anyone and his dog could do it you had to belong to the union and and and, and, and to join the union they wouldn't take you in the union unless you you qualified as sort of like you had to be sort of nominated and things like that mm-hmm. to, to join the union you couldn't just sort of turn up and say well oh, I want to join the union there's got to be recommended in the second mm-hmm. With the the Star Wars set, was there anything that kind of separated it from what you were used to on those like BBC shows and everything like that, or what was your first impression really of of the of the set? Well, um, it was it was it was kind of that they, they had a lot of sets because they they took over the whole of the studio at mm-hmm. Elstree. They had um, I, I think got it quite cheaply, it was like forty forty thousand pounds or something like. That. I remember they, they were going from one one set to the other chopping and changing all the time and um the funny thing is is that you go to all you can go into all different kind of places i remember working on to uh, working on the wicked lady a michael winner film and we went down to some place in sussex which was sort of a little village then converted into a high woman's um village you know sort of that that period 1750 or whatever it was so all the all the time there's different different sort of um experiences that you're having and and, and it's hard to think that any any one of them sticks out that much the main thing is is that if there's a bar nearby <laughs> lunch you know, or a pub or something so that's what we used to look at in those days with your characters what was kind of the one that you gravitated to the most? Was it Stormtrooper? Was it Sauron? Was it X-Wing pilot? What was kind well, of your first? Well, well, the, the X-Wing pilot, a lot of people ask me about that, but I don't really kind of push that because mm-hmm. I, I don't know whether I was in shot. I can't find any shots of me in shot. And mm-hmm. I remember going down to the studio and I think we went on the set uh, and, and there were so many of us, they, they said, right, well, you, you lot, you, you 10 or 12, you can go back to the dressing room because there's no room here. So mm-hmm. so I think I was one of those guys that went back because I, 
I can't find myself in shot anywhere, whereas the, the, everything else I can. So I don't, I don't push that. And I always yeah. tell people if they, 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 they want that, me to sign it. You know, I'm not sure whether I was in shot. Leave it to them to make up their mind if they, they, they want me to sign, sign the photo. Yeah. You know, usually you get well, one or two people coming up when I do a convention with, with the X-Wing pilot photo. But, but I, 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 I think on reflection, you see, I I, I went down. I I, I I didn't have a fitting for for the, the uh, any of the costumes mm-hmm. because on, on I think it was on the on the Monday I got a phone call from one of my agents and they said, "Can you go down to L Street tomorrow?" I said, "Are you free?" Yeah, yeah. Can you go down to L Street eight o'clock? You're working on a film called Star Wars because I, I I was replacing someone called Peter Jukes. Mm-hmm. Who had the same measurements as myself? So he's he's uh, he's gone for the fitting, and he's he's cried off sick or done. He's probably thought he had a better job at the time. Mm-hmm. So um, you know, having put all the helmet on and all the armour, he probably thought, I want to get <laughs> I want to get out of this job. Yeah. <laughs> So he said, "Oh, I can't, I can't make it." So you know, I got the call. So I went down there. I didn't know I put all, 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 the, all the helmet on and this costume. So I, I put it on and you know, carried on uh, for the for three days or so. And then I was asked if I would like to come back the following week if I could get into another costume. And this that was soaring because then again, <clears throat> the person who was supposed to do that didn't turn up, cried off sick or whatever. So I, got, I managed to get the top bit on. And it was a very tight fit. And the trousers were very bulky because it didn't matter. They said, as long as you get the top bit on and the helmet. And I got the helmet on. And uh, But that, that helmet was, was a nightmare because you couldn't breathe properly. You had to breathe and look through the mouth. And um, uh, every given opportunity, you take it off. Where the stormtrooper wasn't that bad compared to that. But the stormtrooper's helmet was still a bit um, claustrophobic. Right. So uh, what you do, you rehearse it without the helmet on and then probably do one rehearsal with the helmet on and, and then and go for the take. Put the helmet on, go and keep the helmet on and then go for the take. So um, yeah, that's the way it worked. Well, with Stormtroopers at least, are there specific scenes that fans can look and kind of point you out or what was kind of your experience as a Stormtrooper? Yeah, um, well, I, I I know I, when the first scene where the stormtroopers come through the door, you know, when mm-hmm. the door when the door goes up, they caught fire actually, because oh. <laughs> they had all these sort of like fire effects on the side, you know, sparklers and stuff, and it it caught fire. So, so I'm I'm in I'm in that scene, and I, as I come through, I'm bending my knees, and mm-hmm. I'm talking to the guy next to me, and saying, "Bend your knees," because the uh, just kick back on the gun, you know. So I remember that one, you know. So that's the first scene I'm in, right? The, yeah. the first scene that the stormtroopers. So I'm in that one, and I'm I'm the guy bumped his head. I know I'm the guy bumped his head, but I, I always tell people I can't really prove it. You know, you got to take my word for it. But because everyone, you know, a load of other people say that they're the ones that bump their head. Right. But at least I do have a couple of witnesses. Uh-huh. Chris Bunn and, and Mark Kirby, because I was telling Mark Kirby at the lunch at, at lunchtime that day, <laughs> I bumped my head and we didn't go again. Now the reason why we didn't go again is because um, what happened? We've been rehearsing it and we've done a couple of takes holding the guns in our right, and then they swapped it over to the left hand. They said, "Now you've got to put the hold the guns in your left hand." And I think we only did one take, and I bumped my head. Uh-huh. So they've only got one take of 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 the stormtroopers holding the guns in their left hands. So they had to use it, you know. So 
I, well, I don't think it was an oversight. I think it just had no other option. Because mm-hmm. at the time, they didn't notice anyone, uh, anyone any, uh, didn't notice me banging my head. Um, <laughs> so I think they had to use it. That's the reason why it's there. So a lot of people don't know that. I said to, to Mark in a, a break, I said, I bumped my head, but we didn't go again. I don't understand why. You know, so, but I remember them saying, you've got to swap the guns over. It's in your left hand. You've got the, the stormtroopers always held the guns in the left hand. And if you look at the holsters, they're all on the left. And I also, you know, it was, I, was, I was actually, I was there and I, I'd just been, to, I, I, had, I had the runs. I kept going to the loo. I don't know what I'd eaten something that morning or the night before. But I mean, I, I just, I, and I, can't, I came back from the, from the loo and I, I, and I felt like I wanted to go again. I said to Jerry, the, the second assistant, I said, don't put me in shot. Oh, I don't want to go. He said, no, no. He said, I need you in the shot. He's going, you. So he put me in shot. And, um, you know, so my concentration was gone a bit. So, mm-hmm. you know, I was, I was just sort of worrying about sort of, you know, my, my stomach turning over and was in a mischief. So that, that that's what, what happened there. But then, you know, once once we did it and I went back to Louis again, sort of my stomach cleared up. Anyway, yeah, that was it. That's the story. Well, I guess the the move from Stormtrooper to Cantina Alien is interesting. I mean, you, you kind of brought it up briefly where the Sauron mask is even more uncomfortable than, than the Stormtrooper helmet. Did yeah, you know it was. Other... It was actually very tight to put on as well, you know, where, where it's like you cling to your, your skin. Whereas the Stormtrooper's helmet, you know, there's, there's some space inside, you know, but the, but the, the Soaring helmet was, was sort of like very sweaty. You kept sweating all the time because it's the closeness to, to the skin. So do you have any other memories of that cantina set at, at Elstream? Well, no, but it's very interesting because, you know, a lot of these, these um, people have a find a polite word. Um, <laughs> the, the guys that, that scrutinize every little detail about mm-hmm. Star Wars. So one of the guys said, uh, I didn't work on that. I didn't work in the cantina <laughs> because, because my name wasn't on, on, on the, the, the list because everyone had a fit in. So the names were on, on, on the uh, designers list, the costume designers list. But my name wasn't, you see, because I wasn't, I wasn't down to do it. You know, someone else had to fit in. So, uh, so he said, "Oh," and then he reported onto Rebel. Is it Rebel Scum or whatever mm-hmm. it is? Yeah, Rebel at, Scum. At the site. Yeah, yeah. And he put, he put, he said, "Laurie Good did not t- 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 uh, take part in 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 the cantina. Uh, he's not on the on the on uh, costume designers list." And then his photograph popped up of of a still that was taken on the set of me, and, and I'm sleeping on Chris Chris Bunn's shoulder. Uh, and and he's sitting next to um, Pam Rose. Yeah, so I I've just come back from the bar again, and you know, and we we've got we've had a, we've had a break uh, in filming, whereas sort of like they've done another, they're having a close up with Harrison Ford or whatever, and so everyone else has got you know 15 minutes to sort of sit down and twiddle their thumbs, and I've just fell asleep and I was leaning on Chris Bunn's shoulder. And the photographer thought he was quite funny, I suppose. So he's come around and taken the steel of it, mm-hmm. you know. So they've just got a photograph of me, uh, you know, uh, uh, sort of like relaxing. What has your experience been now, kind of coming back to the Star Wars world and interacting with fans and conventions and and kind of being a part of this larger community? It's great, isn't it? It's all sort of um, blown. You know, it's, it's it's all come about because of the internet, really. Mm-hmm. I suppose I did go out for a, an. Uh, uh, I went out for a, in the 90s. I think it was 1999. Mm-hmm. 
I went up for a, um, a video pop, mm. pop, pop promo um, <clears throat> for a group called the Indian Rope Men, and they, they, were, they were it was a sort of like instrumental. An old Eric Clapton, is it Eric Clapton? Oh, I don't know. But anyway, it's an old uh, 60s song called Sunshine of Your Spirit Love. Uh, I'd like to hum it, hum it to you, but it's, it's, I can't think of it. It goes down. <laughs> and when I went along, um, this guy said, what have you been doing? Uh, I, I said, oh, I said, oh this, that, and the other. And he said, he said, this is a Star Wars theme. This, I said, oh, I worked on Star Wars. I said, I was a guy that hit my head. And I said, oh, we want you, we want you. <laughs> and they wrote a bit in, they wrote a bit in the, in, in the pop video for me. And uh-huh. I came through sort of like a, a cafe scene where you've got an aging um, Princess Leia and an aging Luke Skywalker mm-hmm. uh, sitting in the cafe drinking tea and all that and just sort of reminiscing about the past. And I come in as a milkman and I hit my head. <laughs> they got me hitting the head again. So I come in and hit my head. But they, uh, you know, it, it was it was a good little job because they wanted me. It was, it was good money, you see. Yeah, so that's on YouTube. It's, it's spreading all the time, the community. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, getting into even other people are sort of getting involved sort of entertainment-wise. But that, that, that yeah, that... that uh, well, where can fans meet you next? What's What's your next on your convention list? I've just done one in Germany uh, mm. two weeks ago. Two well, not last weekend, the week before. Mm-hmm. Um, I haven't done money this year. I've um, I've done I've done about probably four or five. But um, I suppose I'll get busy again. You know, just sort of chase people up or whatever uh, after Christmas. There's, there's no great hurry. Yeah, I, mean, I like to do them. Uh, you don't want to go back to the same place all the time because right. um, there's no point in that. So I like to get around. I see. I see where other people are, where my friends are going, and and, and find out and ask them if I can come along. Yeah, that's what I do. That's what I normally do. <laughs> well, I know you know music is a, a big passion of yours, and you've kind of integrated music uh, and Star Wars. Uh, you want to talk a little bit about your your Stormtrooper song? Yeah. Well, what happened was um, when when the, uh, you know I, I I believe I'm the guy that banged his head, right. and. Uh, <clears throat> And 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 other people started saying it, and then Michael Leader started. He did a video, and he said, "Oh, I, I was the one who banked my head, but he's got no proof, you know." And I'm, at least I've got a couple of witnesses, but I've got I, I can't say George Lucas said to me, "Oi, what your what's your game?" Or anyone said that because no one no one noticed that I, I banged my head. When Michael Leader started saying I was the one, you know, so I thought, "Well, I'll write a song about it," you know. And so I was stormed to banged his head. So it went on like that, and um, and I put it on out on iTunes. It was it's only sort of like you know just a g up thing really. I just I just I just I just fancy doing it just uh-huh. to, to wind people up. But yeah, that's the story to that. And it's 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 on it's on. Uh, I got a ver- I've done another version recently. I did a sort of like remix, but uh-huh. the original version is on on uh, YouTube. It's got twenty five thousand hits. So you know people people <laughs> people do. Do do sort of like play it from time to time, but it's a good it's a good party song. So if you're having a Star Wars party, anyone out there, uh, you can get it on iTunes. It's ninety p, the best ninety p you ever spent. <laughs> <laughs> I'll uh, I'll add the link in the show notes so everyone can check it out because it is it is a hoot. Right. But that's all I got. That's all I'm doing at the moment. You know, it's just sort of um, uh, with with. Uh, and there's a guy called Jamie Stangroom mm-hmm. who's doing a sort of investigative video about. Who was the guy who banged his head? Now, 
he's got there's another guy that's come up called Martin Reed, and he said that he's the one who banged his head. But the thing is, with Martin Reed, he said, when I banged my head, everyone laughed. Well, if everyone if they noticed that he banged his head, they would have gone again. They wouldn't have kept it in the film. It's a ridiculous thing to say. Uh-huh. So he's he's saying he's the one. But Jamie is taking it upon himself to to, um, to try and work out who who. Who was the actual one that banged his head? And he's got this sort of virtue jury to sort of like decide. Mm-hmm. Um, it's got some names there. Um, I can't. I don't think who they are, but they're sort of connected to Star Wars. Mm-hmm. So actors and things. So um, uh, that's all coming out. All right. Well, uh, Mr. Good, appreciate it. All right, Ed. Hi, Brandon. Cheers. Thank you again to Mr. Good for talking to us about his days on set. To hear even more from him, check out the great documentary on Netflix, Elstree 1976. And as mentioned in the episode, you can check out his song on iTunes at the link in the show notes. So until next week, stay tuned, leave a five-star review, and may the force be with you.